Hi, this is Justin Norman, pastor of Knobs Baptist Church. We'd like to welcome you to the Knobs Baptist Church broadcast. We thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll stay tuned for just a few moments as we have a special song and a message from God's Word.
Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 tonight. We'll pick back up in Revelation chapter 12 in our study. And I trust that it'll be a help and a blessing to you. As we saw last week, we, we read chapter 12 in its entirety. And we'll read it again tonight just to refresh our memories. But uh, let's begin reading in verse number 1. As you found your place in Revelation chapter number 12. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. They should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. When the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time. From the face of the serpent. The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth. Swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Which God or which keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. As you remember last week, we saw uh, this depiction of this woman. We saw her clothing. We saw her child or this man child or Christ, the Messiah, uh, our Lord and Savior. Uh, we've seen this woman in her clothing, her child, but also her care as well as God had taken care of her. And we had determined that this woman very well could be Israel. And I believe that that's how 
the Scripture is interpreted that this woman does in fact depict Israel as a nation and how Christ came through them and how Satan we see here tonight, this great red dragon is tormenting and persecuting this nation of Israel as he desired to devour this man-child or to destroy Christ himself. Now we see this dragon in this parenthetical and uh, we see this dragon and a lot of its characteristics, very unique things and details which I know we won't be able to describe all tonight and it may lead us in further study in the book of Daniel. But uh, we see here in this passage of Scripture concerning this dragon, as we examine this passage, first of all I'd like to point out the characteristics of this dragon. For you'll read in verse number 3, There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now we see this great red dragon, and I believe that the name or the title of this beast, this great red dragon, uh, can depict a lot of things. For certainly it being great, uh, being one of much power, and uh, I believe the color red, just as we would interpret it, any other time, matter of fact, I believe the color and the significance of the color of this red dragon would really depend on what you're looking at. And it would really depend on the context of the scripture itself. Uh, for example, if you think of Christ and you think of the color red, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is blood. When I think of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I think of the color red, I think of the blood which he shed on Calvary for you and I. I think of the power that's in that blood. I think of the life that is in that blood. I think of the saving grace that was shed. I'm thankful for that blood and that color red. But when we think of this dragon and we think of the color red, we see much the same characteristics. For I see blood that could be shed very innocently and wickedly and destructively. When I think of this dragon and I think of the color red, I think of the evil and the wickedness and flames of hell. When I think of this dragon and I think of the color red, I think of that life that is in that blood that is shed and how this red could be the blood shed and the death of many of those that follow after this red, this great red dragon. But uh, certainly there could be meaning in this title itself, Great Red Dragon, but we see that this is a dragon. Now, I believe that the name implies this dragon, certainly a beast that we may not find anywhere else in the scripture. We see that this beast or this so-called dragon, certainly the name dragon, uh, is found elsewhere in scripture, but every time we see these beasts or this particular uh, dragon, uh, we see a lot of wickedness. And, uh, now, just to cut things short, we know right off the bat, for the Scripture tells us that this dragon, this great red dragon, in verse number 9, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. So we know and can cut it short that this red dragon 
is in fact Satan. Now, we see that this dragon is Satan, but also we see some characteristics of this great red dragon. For he had seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. Now, we see this dragon having seven heads, seven crowns, and ten horns. I believe it'd be a kind of funny looking dragon, or pretty wicked, anyways. But uh, there's a lot of significance behind these seven heads, and seven crowns, and ten horns, and a lot of symbolism. But we see also there are a lot of similarities with this dragon and also the beast in chapter number 13. If you flip over a page, it might be on the same page, I don't know, but uh, you flip over a page and look at chapter 13. We see the beast that is upon the sea. And verse 1 says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns upon his horns, ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. So we see a a lot of similarities between this dragon and the beast that is mentioned as well in chapter number 13. Now we also see some similarities in these ten horns that are mentioned here for this red dragon and also in Daniel and chapter number 7. If you have a moment, you can flip over to Daniel chapter number 7 And you'll see the vision of these four beasts which Daniel had dreamed, this vision which he had had and had interpreted. And uh, as I said, I believe, uh, I don't think we'll cover everything tonight appropriately. And we may even go uh, next week over to the book of Daniel and uh, just uh, take a few moments and maybe a couple weeks And look at these characters, look at these visions, for I find them fitting in helping us interpret uh, this prophecy. For certainly we must use prophecy to interpret this prophecy. We must use Scripture to interpret Scripture. But uh, if you find your place in Daniel chapter number 7, we'll see in verse number 7 pertaining to this fourth beast which Daniel had a vision of. He said in verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. See, there again, ten horns. Verse 8 says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Now we'll see the interpretation of Daniel's dream in verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast, shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings, which shall rise, which shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. 
He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto him into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Does that sound familiar? Who is this little horn that is to rise up this individual which is to subdue three kings and even to be turned this whole world as it seems over into his hand for a time and a times and a dividing of times. Y'all remember that? That time and a times which is two and a half a time which is three and a half. Boy, we see a lot of this three and a half going on and we can interpret it, translate it into that three and a half years, that halfway mark of this tribulation period. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitation must much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now certainly we see, just as there in those last few verses, that Christ will come and establish his kingdom, and all the kingdoms of the world will be his. And this kingdom of the Antichrist will be destroyed. This time of tribulation will come to an end. But we see these ten horns, just as this fourth beast, as Daniel saw having ten horns as well. And we see the significance of these horns and how these horns represented uh, this fourth beast itself represented in Daniel now a kingdom and, uh, or an empire which was to stand in that day, a world empire that was formed. And then we see these kingdoms or kings that were to arise, which were the ten horns of this fourth beast. And one was to come up and pluck up. This little horn was to raise up and uh, uproot or subdue three of these kings and, uh, and their kingdom, if you will. And he would have an ultimate reign during this empire, during this stage of uh, world, the world as we know it. Now we see a lot of similarities with these ten horns, these same attributes, having these seven heads, seven crowns, ten horns, whether it be this red dragon or whether it be the beast on the sea in chapter number 13, whether it be the beast that come out of the bottomless pit in chapter number 11, there's a lot of similarities in this beast. But we do know, in fact, that this red dragon is Satan himself. We see a picture of Satan. And if you will, I'd like to look at it this way. It helps in trying to understand the matter and trying to explain it. We see almost, in a sense, an unholy trinity which is formed. For we see Satan, uh, he himself, as the body of this great red dragon. But he had seven heads as well and ten horns, which could represent the empire and these kingdoms. Now these kings which would stand for each kingdom or these ten individual kings and kingdoms uh, in this world empire, which were to stand during this time, if you will, of the tribulation period. I, I believe we see a form of 
uh, uh, civil government that is to take place. That Satan is to control and manipulate during this time. But we also see as we'll continue to study a almost uh, in a sense a religious uh, government or a religious leadership as well. Uh, therefore we see almost this trinity being formed with uh, Satan himself and with a political leader but also with a spiritual leader during this day. I believe that's what these ten horns could recognize, these leaders of this day, whether they be actual kingdoms or nations around the world and or whether they be uh, spiritual leaders of that time. But anyways... We see a lot of interesting details given to us about this great uh, red dragon that is mentioned here. We see, uh, no doubt, these kingdoms that could be represented, uh, certainly spiritual leaders that could be represented, but most importantly we see Satan himself being represented as the head of this whole uh, orchestra and uh, as this great red dragon himself. Now we've seen his characteristics and we'll go further into that on in our study. Especially as we get into chapter 13 and on. We'll see even more details, uh, intricate details about this tribulation period and what is to take place. But we see his characteristics. We also see very briefly his casting out. For we see in verse 4 that his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman. Now we see that the uh, dragon himself is cast out and his tail had drew a third part of the stars and they were cast out with him. What does this mean? If you will look at verse number 7. The Bible says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Certainly, uh, Satan had a league of angels that followed him in his rebellion, and they as well were cast out unto the earth, what we would know today as demons. And I've had some uh, pretty casual conversations with boys at work on the matter of angels and demons here in the past several weeks. And I can't believe one without the other. I had a boy ask me, say, well, you believe in ghosts? And, well, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in our spirits. I believe that uh, when a man dies, he goes to one place or another. And uh, his soul, his spirit, his being within him goes somewhere. It doesn't stay here on this earth. Now, I don't believe such thing as hauntings, but... I believe there are demons. And certainly these demons were cast out. They were at one time angels in this band of rebellion as Satan had warred with Michael the archangel and fought against him. This dragon did. And they were cast out. Now this warfare, it took place long ago. And uh, it's still taking place today. For there certainly is a, a rebellious warfare of Satan against God Himself. For we see His casting out and uh, how He drew a third part in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 4 can back that up. For certainly there were many of the angels which had fallen which Satan had brought with Him. 
They were cast out. Now we see is casting out, but we see this conflict that is still going on today. We've seen the characteristics. We've seen his casting out. But here we see his conflict. This conflict, as I said, started long ago. But this conflict still ensues today. Matter of fact, it's all through Scripture. We see the whole theme of it, even in Genesis. Boy, as soon as man was created, we begin to see the problems which arise. Uh, when Satan was, as he was more subtle than any beast of the field, this serpent, and how he beguiled the woman Eve in the garden, and how man would fall to this sin. We see that the conflict of Satan, first of all, in verse number 4, was to devour this child. For verse number 4 said that he stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. That was his first order. For it seemed to uh, devour this child. And even if you go back, you'll see this same strategy and this same conflict even in the garden. We see uh, even the birth of Isaac and Jacob. His strategy, you see, Satan himself and his strategy was this conflict against God. And man had fallen to sin. He was successful in tempting man and causing him to fall to sin. But uh, he was trying his best to taint this line of people, this nation of Israel, from being able to produce such a Messiah as one that was prophesied to come. For you see, Satan wanted to do all he could to try to keep this Messiah from coming. This promised Savior that was promised and prophesied throughout the Scripture. This conflict started way back. And we see how he had desired as soon as this child was delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. What about King Herod and the decree that was placed out certainly over that firstborn, over the man-child during that time? And uh, certainly the kings of the day, as they heard the birth of Jesus, how they heard the birth of this Messiah, boy, they wanted to have Him killed. I believe that was nothing but Satan and his strategy and this conflict between him and God. He wanted to cut down this child that was to be born, this promised Messiah, this promised Savior. We see this conflict, uh, it stretched all the way back then even until the birth of Christ and even after Christ. For we see how Christ came and died at his appointed time. He gave himself, laid himself down. For the sins of man. But even after that, uh, Satan's conflict didn't change. If he could do anything to taint and hinder the Word of God, my friend, he's tried to do it. If he could do anything to split this congregation up, my friend, he'd do it in a heartbeat. His conflict is still raging. Just as he tries to hinder God's people today, my friend, he'll do his best to hinder us right here at Knobs Baptist Church. But we see his prize objective with this nation of Israel was to try to bust them up. For you see, he can try to get to you and I all he wants to. But my friend, there is blessed promises given to the nation of Israel that have yet to be fulfilled. And if Satan can hinder the Lord's work with the nation of Israel, he can try his best to make God to be a liar. But my friend, he won't be successful. 
Boy, his conflict is raging today, even with Israel. For we see that's what this conflict is. It's between this red dragon and it's between this woman, this nation of Israel. How he tries to cut her down. Boy, how he tries to persecute her. For look at verse number 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. He couldn't get to the man-child. He couldn't do what he wanted to to the man-child. So who did he go after? He went after mama. He went after this nation of Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now we see the great persecution which Satan has brought against the nation of Israel and he's still bringing today. May I bring back to your attention tonight the possibility of these ten horns or these ten kingdoms and how Satan is orchestrating and working behind the scenes and through certain wicked individuals and even nations, whether they be civil leaders or whether they be spiritual leaders, and how he is trying his best to hinder the work of God with the nation of Israel. Boy, we see nothing but conflict happen in the Middle East. There's nothing but this same conflict going on on a continual basis. There's always been wars and fightings going on over this nation of Israel and this promised land that was given unto them. It wasn't given to nobody else. Man can't determine who that place goes to. For God has promised it to one. I'm proud of the president that we had that stood and proclaimed Israel as a nation and declared Jerusalem as their capital. For my friend, that's what God had anointed. And I don't care what leader may stand anywhere. They may try to say that nation don't deserve, or Israel don't deserve that place. But my friend, man has not the authority to dictate what God has promised. We see God has blessed those people with that wonderful land, and it is theirs. And my friend, we see that God keeps His promises. He's blessed them with that. But we see how Satan has done his best to hinder. Certainly there's been nations, there have been leaders that will stand up and try to cause conflict with the nation of Israel. I think about wicked men that stood in the days like when Adolf Hitler, he persecuted the Jews and hated them. Oh, those poor Israelites, uh, they were persecuted so greatly. I believe that that was just a, a wonderful effect, you see, of this dragon and how he done his work in trying to persecute this nation of Israel and these Jewish people. Boy, we've seen it back then. We even see it today. For certainly there are radical Islams in the nation of Islam that are trying their best to take over. And Palestine, how they claim they own the Temple Mount and boy, how it's all theirs. But my friend, even though these nations may stand up 
and proclaim that that is their promised land, that's their territory, and they may claim the right to it as if they have a deed and a right of passage. But my friend, my Bible tells me otherwise. I see that this red dragon is one that has waged war and great conflict against the nation of Israel. Boy, we've seen political leaders. We've seen nations and governments stand up against Israel as a nation. Boy, just like the nation of Islam. But we also see how a nation just as is the nations of Islam and their whole mentality, their whole ideology, and their theory behind things, their very basic and core beliefs. I believe there is an extremist side and there is a fundamental side that may be peaceful, but all we ever, ever hear of is this extremist side of Islam, which is death to Christianity. It's death to the Israelites. It's death to the Jews. Oh, and oh, how they would love to see all the Israelites wiped off the face of the planet. My friend, this is Satan. This red dragon had one of his horns at his best trying to destroy and persecute the nation of Israel and wipe them off the earth. We see that this persecution in the past, it's come then. Now it's happening now. Boy, I seen a documentary the other day how this old woman that lived in a city nearby Jerusalem and uh, she was describing how all of her neighbors, neighbors, she was a her only, uh, she was the only person left in her family that lived in this particular city. Everybody else under heavy persecution had moved out, and her as an Israelite, uh, she found it needful uh, for her to stay in that location. Her family had been there for hundreds of years, and uh, just because persecution had come. She thought she didn't need to move. But the scary thing was, she was surrounded by Muslim neighbors that hated her and mocked her. And certainly, I don't know, I believe probably one day, they may walk in and find that woman dead. Oh, but my friend, I know that God will take care of her. I know that God will have her. I know that God will use her mightily while she's there. Boy, if she's a God-fearing woman, if she believes in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, ain't a doubt in my mind. Boy, she can stand her ground and preach Jesus. Boy, and God will use her mightily. I don't know why she's staying there in the midst of this persecution, but I can't help but think it's just like this woman and that dragon. Boy, when conflict come, God had her back. Boy, when conflict come and wars were raging, God will have her back. And my friend, God will always have His people's back and protect them. We see that persecution had come and we see more particularly during this time of tribulation, it is described a time in which a flood would come upon this woman. For look at verse 15. The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keepeth the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We see that there was a flood to be 
brought forth out of the mouth of this dragon, this serpent, had cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. Now if you'll remember last week as we speculated an ideal place for these Israelites to flee, as many people uh, may agree on that it very could, uh, very well could be that place called Petra. Now this place called Petra, as I said, during the rainy season, uh, the floodwaters would come through the valleys and uh, fill the whole place full of water. I believe it'd be a very fitting place for a flood to happen. And uh, certainly with the uh, miraculous powers which the Antichrist in his day would have, I believe uh, with this authority and power of Satan himself, he made very well devise a flood to come through the land and try to threaten this nation of Israel and these people that would be in that region. But we see it be to no effect. For God had allowed the earth to help the woman and opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. We see almost in a sense, as if you will, a last ditch effort for Satan himself to try to get rid of the woman. Boy, she'd come far enough as if he almost had her pinned up in the corner, uh, had her on the run. But we see how God was there to protect her as the earth would swallow up this flood as Satan had tried his best to destroy her. There's a lot of very interesting things we see in this study throughout this pastor's scripture. As I said, I find it needful that possibly next week, next several weeks, we may go back to Daniel to help us interpret some of these things. And I believe this is a, a good basis or foundation to help us in our interpretation. And going back to Daniel may help us uh, further in our study in this book of Revelation. But I trust the study tonight has been a blessing to you. I encourage you to continue your own private and personal study. And uh, I pray the Lord would use you mightily as you get into the Scripture. May He speak to your heart in a mighty way.